Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Last Drinks is proudly sponsored by Buds and Beads. It's sparkling tea, and yes, I'm obsessed. Perfect at a picnic, great as a gift, or a wonderful weekend companion. Buds and Beads Sparkling Tea, where every bubble tells a story. It's time for another episode of Last Drinks, a podcast where we have conversations for the sober and the sober curious, hosted by me, Maz Compton, sober since 2015. Hey, hey. It's time for another episode of Last Drinks. Before we get to my very interesting and very wonderful chat with Dr. Brooke Scheller, She is New York City's top expert in sober nutrition, and she's written a book. It's out now. It's called How to Eat to Change How You Drink. You can get it anywhere. It's a fantastic read. She is so smart. She's a super smart, super lovely, super sober, wonderful human, and I loved our conversation. But before we get to that, a couple of bits of admin. Did you watch the Christmas movie that I recommended, directed by Heath Davis, called Christmas over the Christmas season? I hope you did. I hope you enjoyed it. It's available on Binge, and there have been so many wonderful and amazing reviews of that movie, and I'm very grateful that Heath gave up a bit of his time, his very valuable time, to have a chat to me about the process of writing that movie and filming it during lockdown and. Um, the spirit and the message in the movie that is conveyed so very well. So if you haven't watched Chris Mess, uh, do it. I double dare you to. Um, what are we? January, what on earth? Yes, so mid-Jan 2024, here we come. Oh, it's all happening. I'm about to head back to work, which is fun slash anxiety-inducing. <laughs> I'm starting a new show on a brand new network. So I'm going to be heard across the Triple M network in 2024. I'll be doing a local breakfast radio show with Paddy Gerard on hit, no, not hit, oh my gosh, I've got to stop saying that, on Triple M, 107.7 is the frequency if you're on the Central Coast. Um, If you're not on the coast, you can get it on the Listener app, L-I-S-T-N-R is the Listener app. It's free. You just sign up, answer a couple of thousand questions, get yourself an account, and then you can listen to the show anywhere, anytime. It will be called Patty and Maz on Triple M. So do that. Get around the show. I'm really excited about it. It's a a bit of a new direction for me in my radio path, which I'm really looking forward to. But as with change, as with a new job, as with a new everything comes all of the feelings, all of the anticipation, all of the, oh, my God. It's like getting introduced to, like, your boyfriend's family. Are they going to like me? 
Are they going to like what I say? Are they going to hate me? Are they going to hate what I say? There's a little bit of that going on internally for me, but I'm just processing it, you know. That's all I'm doing, just unpacking Pandora's box and processing. That's what I'm doing this year. So, yeah, get around the new show. I, I'm I'm looking forward to kind of getting back into a routine, to be honest. I've been completely out of sorts over this Christmas season in a good way. There's just been no formula. There's just been in – I've just been in this sort of um, revolving door of celebrating Christmas and New Year and family and people staying and guests and visitors and lunches and dinners and, uh, you know, it's been really busy and really wonderful but the intra the introversion the introverted part of me is like i'm really glad that um i can settle back into a routine i just i love routine so i'm re- i'm looking forward to that um, one other thing i wanted to mention is next month on the podcast i'm going to be chatting to a couple of experts who are going to be speaking at a health and wellness festival, of which I'm also speaking at. It's called Viva Festival. It's the first time that Viva Festival is going to be in Australia in 2024 in mid to late March. There's a weekend in Sydney and there's a weekend in Melbourne. You can get tickets at vivafestival.com.au. There are over 30 um, world-class experts in their field, um, of which I'm included, which is pretty amazing, talking on so many different topics. Like if you are into health and wellness, if you want to be your healthiest and best self in 2024, get along to this festival. It's going to be so amazing. You're going to learn so much. You're going to be able to take away practical tools on how you can transform your health and your well-being. And it's not just like there are nutrition experts, but it's also uh, neuroscientists. There's also people talking about permaculture. There's parenting experts. Um, There's so, so, so much. I'm doing a session on alcohol, believe it or not, um, and how alcohol is the problem and sobriety is the solution for us, for our best and healthiest selves. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, check out the website, get yourself a ticket, take a buddy and get along. And it's just going to be like a wealth, like an absolute wellspring of great knowledge, practical information and amazing tools that you can take away with you. So in February, I'm going to be showcasing a few of the experts who will be speaking at Viva Festival in the podcast. So that's really exciting. I'm looking forward to those few episodes coming up and I'm really looking forward to speaking at the festival. I feel super privileged and very blessed that I have been asked to stand on a stage alongside world-class experts in their field and um, talk about the thing that I'm most passionate about, which is sobriety. So that's that. Let's get into the pod, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. This is a great chat. As I mentioned, Dr. Brooke Scheller's book is called How to Eat to Change How You Drink. It's available everywhere. And this is Last Drinks with the author, Dr. Brooke Scheller. Enjoy. Brooke Scheller returns to Last Drinks. And it's funny because we've had a beautiful conversation on the podcast before, but we didn't focus on your story. We focused on your area of expertise, which is how you get to write and publish a book. 
which we will get to. Um, but I wanted to kick off today's conversation by asking you, because I have not heard this story about your last drink. Well, this is funny because, well, so I'll start by saying that if you read the book, hey. you'll read my story. So you'll get like the full story, the full behind the scenes story. But, you know, this is such an interesting question because I don't think I've thought about this in a while. Like I talk yeah. so much about my area of expertise, which is nutrition. I talk a lot about the health piece. I talk a lot about my sobriety journey, but I don't often talk about my last drink and or my last drinks. Uh. Hmm. Um, I didn't know that my last drinks, my last day of drinking would be my last day of drinking. I think for at least a couple of years, I had been really struggling with alcohol. And I got sober in the spring of 2021. And I am a product of pandemic increased drinking. Pandemic, in, pandemic induced um, drinking, which is maybe a little bit of an excuse in some ways, because my drinking was pretty heavy pre-pandemic. Um, I probably for three years before the end of my drinking, I was drinking anywhere between five and seven days a week. And I knew that this was not right. I am a doctor of nutrition by trade. I knew that this was affecting my health in many ways. And um, it really took the pandemic for me to hit a point where I had been experiencing a lot of isolation. My back, I just clicked mm -hmm. out. Okay. I had been for a half second. I had been experiencing I had been experiencing a lot of isolation from the pandemic. I was living by myself. I was living in New York City. I was working from home. Mm. And that winter, the winter of 2020 into 2021 was really really difficult, especially here in New York City. Restaurants were closed. Everything was closed. So like socializing was really difficult. We were like desperately sitting outside in the 20 degree weather in the winter, like drinking at the, at the bars that had like outdoor, you know, little mm -hmm. pop-up areas. Yeah. And, um, and my drinking during that time had increased pretty significantly. And my last day of drinking was June 14th of 2021. And I remember that day and that weekend pre pre pretty vividly in that I had gone down to visit a guy I was seeing at the time who lived about an hour away. And he was not aware of how often I was drinking because I lived by myself, right? So he didn't really see the full like scope of what was going on all week long or, you know, the weekends that he wasn't around. And I went down to visit and I was basically on a bender like all weekend. And the last day that I drank, I had gone to see a friend and who I hadn't seen in, in some time. And it was a friend that I always drank a lot of wine with. And I went into it knowing that I was going to have to go back to this guy's house. And I remember that day being like, I really, I should really be like buttoned up a little bit because the last couple of days were not good. And you know, I, I, I buttoned myself up as much as possible to say that I probably had five or six drinks instead of seven or eight or more. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I went, I went back and, um, went to sleep 
and woke up the next morning. And very gently, this person brought up to me that I had drank basically to oblivion most of the weekend. And I had known that I was not in a good way. And I was able to hide it and get away with it because I was really isolated. And as soon as he said that to me, it like a switch flipped. And it wasn't that he came to me and said, hey, you have a problem and you need to get help. Or he didn't say to me, like, I'm worried about you. Or, you know, it wasn't it wasn't even in a way of suggesting that I quit, quit drinking. He just pointed out what I did. Right. And I said, I know, I think I need to like take a break or cut back or, you know, because that's what we all say at first. Like, we don't often go straight to the extreme of like, I'm, I cannot drink anymore. I'm never drinking again. I'll never drink again. Mm -hmm. And I left that day in like a lot of pain over that because I felt really guilty. I felt really upset with myself. I really had known the extent of, of what was going on with me. And that day I came back up to New York. I had lunch with a friend. I told her I thought I was going to take some time off. And she said, I think that's a good idea. You know, she didn't say, yeah, you have a problem. You need help. Any of those things. And, um, and later that day I attended my first 12 step meeting and I never had another drink. Not since, you know, not since June 14th, 2021. And I didn't know that day that I was even going to really quit drinking. I, I, I kind of like just gave in at that point, but it, it was like, it just was the time. It was the right time all the stars aligned in that way. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I'm great. I'm so grateful that that was my last day of drinking. And I'm grateful that I don't have to feel that way anymore. There's so many little jump off points to your Mm -hmm. story. It was one person calling you out in a way that didn't make you feel judged and ashamed. Mm. It sounds like this person Mm -hmm. was able to address something with you, which shows vulnerability, trust, all that stuff and go, Hey, have you thought about this? for a minute and that just confirms everything that you internally knew was the truth and now when somebody else brings it you know to the forefront then I think that's when you do have light bulb moments and that's when the flick does switch because you're like huh it's not just all in my head and it's not anything I'm going to be able to get away with for much longer in a way so that I find that really interesting in the way that this person who you trusted was mm-hmm. able to address such a sensitive issue that can, you know, that can be deal breaker stuff. That can be like in the moment that can be um, handled so poorly. And I feel like that was handled great for you. And I talk about this a little bit in the book when I share on my story that I almost feel like I was waiting. Like I, I was like on the precipice of this change and I needed someone to like kick the can a little bit down the road to like make it happen Mm -hmm. that I was like edging on. I I knew, I mean, we know, we know when we're like really close to the end. And it was just like that little bit of a push that I needed And that person 
I continued to date for a few months beyond that, no longer in a relationship with that person now, but they were really, really supportive in my decision to quit drinking. And that support was really, was really critical. Um, Mm. Having, having people around us that are supportive to our sobriety journey in all different kinds of ways, whether it's, you know, emotionally supporting us, being there for us, doing things with us that are not including alcohol. That's such Mm. a, a critical part of the journey. And so I'm really grateful for that experience for sure. For sure. The other thing that sticks out to me is, and you kind of touch on it early in your story, is that you you have a trained expertise in the area of nutrition, you're a doctor, yet you had this really wild relationship with alcohol and you know scientifically, like you've done the study, you know our bodies, you know our systems, you know the chemistry, the biochemistry, like you know it all and how alcohol affects it all uh, from a professional stance, mm-hmm. yet you were still drinking a lot. And so I guess my question is like, do you know what purpose the alcohol was trying to serve for you? Like were, it was it pushing down pain? Was it um, relief because your job can be intense? Like do you, have you had a chance to really think about, huh, like because there's always a reason. We don't just totally. end up drinking five or six nights a week for no reason. And sometimes it takes a long time for it to really reveal itself. And it usually only truly reveals its whole self once we are quite far down that sobriety path because you're able to like wade through all the Pandora's box of stuff to get to the thing. So do you know what it was for you? Absolutely. I mean, I I think we all talk about how sobriety is like peeling the layers of the onion, right? That there's always this information that we're gaining as we're going through the recovery process and learning more about ourselves and, you know, working recovery programs and implementing tools of recovery and therapy and all of these things that recovery is made possible with, you know? And that's the difference between just not drinking and recovery is doing the work to, to explore, you know, what, what's underlying all of that. And my alcohol behaviors were not born overnight. I mean, I was a heavy drinker starting as a teenager long before I was a nutrition professional. Wow. And, you know, I, I think in some ways it may have been a way to, compensate for my drinking that I was interested in pursuit of health and how to combat these types of things. Because it, for a long time, for me, it was, you know, well, how do I take the right liver supplements and, you know, eat the right foods and exercise enough so that alcohol isn't, isn't impacting me. But the, the reality is that you can do all those things. Trust me, I tried. Um, alcohol is, it's poison. It's its a toxin and it's toxic to our nervous system. It's toxic to our brain, to our gut, our hormones, all the biochemistry stuff that I love to talk about. And we can get nerdy on again, if you'd like uh, shortly. But so much of my story, especially my, my probably my last four or five years of, of drinking it was a lot of that feeling like I was living a double life scenario that I was knowledgeable and understood all of this stuff about health and yet also still had a drinking problem. 
And that just goes to show you, like you could have the you could have the knowledge, but it doesn't mean you're immune to these types of these these things because alcohol it's a it's an addictive substance. If we continue putting it into our bodies, we will continue you know down the line of of being addicted to it. And um, I had a lot of trauma in my teenage years, family related, and um, throughout my twenties, lots of dysfunctional relationships, and um, I as a teenager, like I said, started drinking fairly young. And I think it was my only coping mechanism. I didn't, I didn't know any other way of managing stress, breakups, pain, Mm -hmm. socializing, like being in a relationship. Well, how do you go on a date or how do you, you know, connect with friends or how do you make friends when you go to a new job or all these things, right? Where we're so used to alcohol being the crux of that. And so I continue to, to learn as I'm going through this process and, and unravel some of what's underneath that. But while I was drinking, I used to say, I don't drink because of pain. I don't drink because of I'm stressed. I just like to have fun. Fun. <laughs> I just like to have fun. I'm yeah. like a I'm I'm a social person. Yeah. Okay, well social because I didn't want to sit with myself. I didn't want to like sit down and like be left with my feelings and my emotions and the and the, the traumatic experiences that I've had. And later in sobriety I was diagnosed with PTSD, which when I finally was made a lot of sense. Made a lot of sense as to why I reacted the way that I did, why I experienced a lot of anxiety and depression and, and masked that or managed that quote unquote with alcohol. And these things, when we find them in recovery and we take away the alcohol and we have space to explore that, it gives us a lot of tools, a lot of ways that we can empower ourselves to to live the lives that we want to live. And that's what this is all about. Like I had wanted to write a book my whole life. I didn't, I couldn't figure out the process until I got sober. And once I did, all of the pieces started just like coming together without any strain or struggle. And so I love sharing that because I think it's so important of like just how much, yes, there's pain and, and yes, we have to, feel and experience new things in sobriety, but there's also so much joy and so much opportunity and so much life to live there too. It's I'm nodding along because it's so interesting to me, Brooke, that you grew up in a different country on the other side of the planet. We have different families. We went to different schools. We know each other quite, you know, not you know, surface level through a, a couple of beautiful chats, yet I was exactly the same as a teenager. Like I, I binge drank to fit in and to cope with stress and social anxiety and no one taught me how to manage those things. So I just found a thing that kind of let me escape from it and put on this like superhero cape and just, and ran with it. And then you get into your twenties and then the stress gets higher, the load gets bigger, the emotions get more torn, the heart gets more broken. So you need more alcohol mm. to like run further from it. And I, I just think that's so like, just like such parallels in how we kind of got into uh, a position where alcohol became, I've called it the multi-tool of coping because I had mm-hmm. 
no other strategies, no other Mm -hmm. tools, zero emotional intelligence. Like I had no idea yet. I learn a bunch of stuff at school that hasn't really helped me in life. (laughs) But I sat in a classroom day after day, like period after period, learning all this stuff that's just kind of somehow still stuck in my brain, yet no one taught me like how to dig around for some self-worth and and how to actually, you know, like, yeah, deal with a breakup or act socialise without alcohol, you know. So I just, that... To me also, I think that reiterates that it's such a cultural norm. It's such, mm-hmm. you know, like it's across the, the oceans and the seas the world, that we yeah. are, are going through these same similar experiences with alcohol. And, you know, my hope and why I have this conversation and this podcast and I wrote a book is because I want to turn that around, you know. And I guess my dream is that one day, hopefully not in the too distant future, but down the track, you you know, if you could be a fly on a wall in a social situation, that what would happen is this, is that the the person who's drinking at the bar, that all of their friends rally around and go, hey, what's going on with you? Are you okay? Why are you drinking? Because at the moment, it's very much the other way around. When you're not drinking, people are like, oh my God, what's wrong? Are you okay? And it, it the reverse is true. It's like when you're sober, less is wrong. And you're, it's not that all of your problems dissipate, but you start to gain mental clarity and balance in order to address the stuff in your life. And if you're drinking, you're not there on that page. So the parallels are wild to me. I mean, and we have totally (laughs) different career paths and yet like that common thread and and that that day for you, it was June 14. For me, it was January 1st, 2015, that day where you're like, huh, there we go. That's done. Mm -hmm the line in the sand now what a clean sobriety date you have too like january 1st it's a fresh good one. year I like it. hopefully fresh it was year. like a monday too it was probably like the perfect oh, I, hope, you know. I don't remember if it was a monday but i <laughs> you know i feel like a lot of people have january 4 as their sober date because they <laughs> quit drinking on the first and then on the third they're like ah oh, i'll be right and then they on the fourth they're like oh no actually i really want to stick this thing out <laughs> Yes, I actually, no, I know, I know someone else who has a, a January 3rd date. So no, yeah, I think you might right, be right. right. You might be right. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I, I think that we for a long time have disregarded how harmful alcohol is physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, mm-hmm. and it we weren't taught the harmful effects of it because we were raised in a society that did not talk about the harmful effects of it. That is shifting now in the conversations that we're having right now about this, the tides are changing. You know, I was just on a, a, a virtual conference the other day from the European World Health Organization. And they were talking about a lot about comparison of alcohol to tobacco. And how actually the research about alcohol's negative effects came out only two years after tobacco's did. And you can Mm -hmm. see how far we've come with tobacco and how far we have to go with alcohol. But alcohol is a dangerous, poisonous, toxic, cancer-causing, known-to-cause-cancer substance. And we are selectively putting that in our body, but part of it is that a lot of people don't even realize how harmful it is. 
that we just, you know, we, we hear about it. We learn about it. You know, it's in front of us. No one's saying, you know, with a, with cigarettes now, there's a warning label. There's no warning uh-huh. label on, on alcohol. There's no warning label on a bar door when you walk in. There's no warning saying, aside for pregnant women, right? Okay, well, if it's harmful for pregnant women, it's probably harmful for the rest of us, right? Everyone. Because, <laughs> right? And so, 100%. Like, that's such a good point. It's like, yeah. it's harmful for a human. And if yeah. you're a human, it is therefore harmful to you. But it's like there's there was no education. There was yeah. no. And the marketing, like the advertising industry has mm-hmm. done an absolutely stellar job of just mm-hmm. not communicating those negative impacts and painting it in this aspirational, glamorous mm-hmm. uh, light where people think truly that it will make their lives, their days, and their moments better, their friendships stronger, their marriages whole. Like it's so bizarre to me. Like it's it's the biggest lie. And it, it, mm-hmm. it just it can't, once you tip over into sobriety and you start to unpack that, <laughs> it's just like oh my god I really I was so convinced that this thing was helping and it Mm -hmm. has done nothing but trip me up and and land me flat on my face time and time and time and time again yeah it's just yeah and I think it's really it's a shame that we have to get to the point where alcohol is mostly destroyed things in our life before we decide that we're going to quit. That's where there's so much opportunity now with these conversations is people making the change before they get to a point where, where their life is really affected. You know, in, in my story, I didn't necessarily have anything extreme happen. I, you know, I didn't get a DUI. I didn't lose a job. Thank God. I didn't, you know, have any of these destructive things happen to me. But what I will say is I was experiencing extreme anxiety and depression that was having a huge impact on my, on my life. You know, I was, I was miserable 95% of the time and the 5% that I wasn't, I was drinking. Right. And so I couldn't even pull myself out of it to see that. And no one, I mean, no one around me was saying, Hey, (laughs) by the way, this is probably part of the reason why. I mean, again, being being a scientist, being an expert in this area, I knew what was going on. I knew how much alcohol was affecting me. Mm. And um, and so those those health effects seem to like we glaze over the fact that alcohol is contributing to things like anxiety or depression. How many people are experiencing anxiety and depression in today's world? a very large percentage. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I can assure you that it's probably quite high. Mm. And that is something that is directly affected by alcohol for several reasons. You know, first of all, it affects our nervous system. It affects our, our dopamine, our serotonin levels, the neurotransmitters in our brain. But one of the big areas and something I talk about in the book is how it affects nutrients and causes deficiencies in many of the nutrients that contribute to mood, to energy, to um, our body's ability to relax naturally. And when we continue drinking and we deplete out these nutrients that help with that, it creates this vicious cycle, right? This kind of continued cycle of us being stuck in that state of anxiety, depression, and then needing a drink to, to cope with that. And so, you know, one of the things that I, I like to talk about in my work is that 
you don't have to have like end stage liver failure for alcohol to be affecting your health. It's affecting your hormones. It's affecting your cortisol levels. It's affecting your gut microbiome. It's affecting your nutrient levels, your energy on a day-to-day basis, your mood on a day-to-day basis. Mm. So this isn't even just about having a problem and needing to quit because you're losing control of your life. This is your life is negatively affected by alcohol and you have the choice to stop drinking it. Yeah. A hundred percent. And if like, if we started off as like base level education on alcohol at a young ish age, call it Mm -hmm. 14, 15, 16, whenever kids start drinking, hopefully earlier, earlier, earlier. But when you explain it like that and the damage it does internally to our bodies and our brain and our health and our mood, you all of a sudden you have this knowledge now, which is powerful Mm -hmm. to go, well, now I, I can make an informed choice because I actually do know the dangers I know. And like, you know, put it aside as like something that can temporarily make you feel good at a party. Like that's got a negative knock on effect. So can you find, can you find that, you know, internally or mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? I just think we skipped over all this education and I, it's just ruined a generation of people and now I feel several like generations. Several <laughs> generations. I feel like there's so many people in midlife with so many pressures, that sandwich generation of raising young mm-hmm. kids and aging parents and so much stress and mortgages and interest rates and oh my God. And again, we get back to like, well, alcohol's the only thing that's gonna help get us through and it's not even the truth. And I feel like when you don't drink, you can manage everything in your life so much better you can show up so you are just so far ahead if you're not taking that drink um or that bottle or whatever it is every day or every other day or every weekend so yeah I want to know what's in your book tell me about the whole writing process we spoke about it a few months ago you were like I'm gonna I'm writing this book it's happening and now it's happened (laughs) it has happened it has happened happened. so I think I think when we spoke last, it must have been the beginning of this year because I remember specifically the video that you had posted and what I was wearing and seeing my my old office in the background. So it was definitely on the front half of this year, um, which is when the book had been written, finished for the most part, but we were still about a year away from publication, which, um, you know, feels like a lifetime ago, but also kind of yesterday. And, you know, <laughs> through this process, writing a book is a very, it, it is like nothing you've ever done before because it's it's quite a process. It, is. it um you know I I started the process two two years basically before well a little more than two years before the book will will be on the shelves, and um you know for me and I you know I shared a little bit about my story and feeling like I was living a double life and th- those types of things. But one thing I I don't know if we talked about on the previous podcast, but I'll share here is that prior to my quitting drinking. My first endeavor into this was that I was uh, asked to author a textbook chapter on integrative approaches to substance use disorders, and I wrote a chapter on nutrition and supplements for substance use disorders. I wrote this in the last six months of my drinking, so I'm I'm like I'm imagining myself now, you know, wow. trying to get trying to type this up while I have like a glass of wine in my hand, right? Wow. And um, the irony of this is just it's really really. F- interesting. It's Alanis Morissette song. And yeah, totally. I love that. I love Alanis. Alanis, if you're listening, love you, girl. 
She's she's my hero. She's the best. She's the best. And um, so when I quit drinking, I used some of the strategies that I had researched um, in terms of using some supplementation to help with supporting cravings. I was um, implementing some of these things in my own story, not even really thinking about like the larger, broader use case of those types of things. And you know, the first few months of sobriety are really cloudy, um, hard to think, very difficult to see far ahead of you, all these things. And I was about three months sober. So this was um, the fall of 2021. And I had a light bulb moment, like a, a more of a lightning strike moment where I was like, no one's talking about nutrition, the biochemistry, like, you know, I'm following all these people on Instagram and starting to get involved in the, in, in the space. And I'm like, I have to write a book on this. Like it it seriously hit me like a lightning bolt. And Mm. the irony of this whole thing is, is so funny. I grabbed my laptop. I'm Googling agents in New York city, book agents in New York city. I emailed two random women. One of them ended up signing me as a client. Helping me, helping me through the publication, the the proposal process. Yeah, we had four bids for book deals. um, Signed a book deal in early 2022, and off to the races. So, like this whole thing is like it's this is like part of my journey of sobriety of my early sobriety because I wrote it so early in my sobriety. That's amazing. And um, it's it's really wild. Like I, you know, I look back and it's like nothing short of a miracle. I really believe like this came from beyond me because I, the way that everything aligned in my life in order for this to happen in this way is just like, it's mind blowing. Right. So when I look back at all of the really difficult emotional times of drinking and the horrible things that, you know, brought me to like my knees with it, I'm also like, this is the path I was supposed to be on. So like, I kind of had to go through those things in order to get here. And I'm grateful for that. So I'm very grateful for that. And in the book, it's kind of three parts. Um, The first part is a little bit of an introduction on nutrition and um, the biochemistry piece of alcohol. The first part also contains a chapter that has my story in it. So gets into all the fun details of my <laughs> upbringing and my traumas and, you know, yeah. how, how my drinking escalated and what that looked like. Um, and it's funny because now being at this point of the process, like I felt so compelled to tell that story and now, now like releasing that story is, is like a, very vulnerable thing to do. Like, I think when I wrote it, I was like, no, one's going to read this, you know, <laughs> now I'm like, here world, here's uh-huh. my story. Um, yeah. and, and so, um, in the third chapter, the first part of the book, I talk about, um, something that I call the three drinking archetypes. And this is really about, um, kind of categorizing people based on their drinking behaviors. And this was important to me right. because, when I started thinking about the biochemistry, like, as you know, Maz, not everyone comes into this the same, like not everyone is a five, six, seven day a week drinker. Not everyone is a heavy drinker. You definitely don't have to be drinking that much to be deciding to change. And when I had started working with clients in recovery, there were a lot of people coming to me that had different experiences than mine. And I felt that it was important to kind of speak to the person who only drinks once a week, but binge drinks 
and feels like they can't stop. And the person who maybe drinks three or four times a week, and that's mostly stress-induced. And and then there's the person who's maybe the more daily drinker, almost daily drinker. And each of these people have like different reasons why that's happening, right? So from a science perspective, I break I break that down. There's a little quiz in there so you can find out your drinking archetype. In the second yeah, part of right. the book, I talk about all the science. So I talk about the gut. I talk about hormones and blood sugar. I talk about all the nerdy stuff that gets me really fired up and excited um, because I think the science is really cool to to learn to help you understand more about the the what's going on in the body like it really puts a little mm. bit of a uh, paints the picture for you if you will so that you can better understand so it helps you make your choice and you know be able to make that informed decision and then the third part of the book is what everybody loves which is your nutrition guide to cutting back or supporting an alcohol-free lifestyle. Um, there is a chapter on supplements and lifestyle changes. And then there's also, people get really excited. It doesn't say anything about this anywhere, but there are 50 recipes in here, 40 food recipes yes. and 10 drink recipes. Yes. I love that. It's so practical. It's like, that's great because you've got the science in there. For all mm. the nerds, but also education. And then you've got like, okay, now go to the kitchen and make these things. That's going to help you along the journey. I love that. Mm -hmm. It's so clever. You know, it was important to me being being in a, a health expert, you know, at my core and reading a lot of nonfiction books in the health and nutrition space. Like it was important for me to almost pull together like quit lit and health in that way, in that um you know, I wanted something really practical because that's what I have found to be my my differentiating factor as someone in this in this space is talking about how do we like take some action steps with lifestyle changes, with food, with supplementation. Like these are really tangible things that you can do. You're already eating three times a day somewhere around there. So if you can just make yeah. tweaks to what that is, increasing your protein, you know, incorporating maybe some very healing vegetables that support parts of the body that might be affected by alcohol or supporting the brain and mood through foods. These are things that can really have an impact on the way that we feel and help to support us to feel more relaxed, feel better so that we aren't necessarily having to seek out something that is going to relieve our pain or our um, stress because we're able to manage that a little bit differently. You know, the other thing that I really love about this book is I found in those early few months, like because I wasn't drinking, I had so much time on my hands and mm -hmm. it was a bit overwhelming at first. I was like, yeah. I'm going to die of boredom. Like I have so many <laughs> I more can hours so in the day now. <laughs> Oh my god! I I was like weekend. I was like by the first weekend of January, I'll be dead. Like I'll die of boredom. But I didn't die. I can of relate. I can um, relate. Like it's only six o'clock. Oh my god! What am I gonna do with the rest of the night? I'm it's gonna too, go to bed. Yeah, too early to yeah. go to bed. <laughs> but what I love is that with these recipes, it's encouraging people to do something with that time. Like as you said, we you you know most people eat three times a day already. And so you, you're going to have time in early sobriety. In in mm -hmm. the whole of sobriety, you've got, you know, more time to be productive because you're no, not drinking for hours and hours on end anymore. And so you're just like 
giving people that gift of like, well, get in the kitchen and start tweaking the recipes and, and make this dish and get creative. And that's just having a thing. Like, I don't want to call it a hobby because that feels a bit hacky, but like just something to focus your attention away from the fact that you're not drinking is so crucial. Like I, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but like I upended my house. I cleaned, I cleaned out cupboards and drawers. I emptied, I threw out, I minimized, I Mari Kondo, mm -hmm. I min like it was that Love I just it. went down that road. And then when that was all done, I was like, okay, what's my next thing? Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like I just keep finding things, which is not, you know, not a terrible thing at all. Um, but like, yes, get in the kitchen. Yes. Start with some great recipes and that is going to make you feel better sooner as well. I think because when you start pumping great food into your body, whole real food, and as you said, like you're upping your protein and you're tweaking this and you're doing that, that makes you feel better because it balances your hormones. It, it levels out your emotional health a little bit. Like it's, that has such a profound impact on your overall health. And so I love it. It's so clever. So, so clever. And, and some people find the kitchen triggering. So I'll bring that up too, as mm. you mentioned that, um, that I've had clients say that getting into the kitchen can be a trigger because previously that would be where they would have their glass of wine or they would drink while they were cooking sure. or something along those lines. But I also think that having this as a tool and, and having these recipes and having almost like a framework for doing that can start to shift that habit. Because I, I think it's also, yeah. there are there are points where maybe it's helpful to avoid that triggering situation for a little while to, you know, maybe not have to be putting yourself directly in the line of fire. But I also think it's changing the narrative around that situation, right? So it's going into it with a very different thought and mindset and perspective. So you can pour yourself a seltzer, make yourself a cup of tea or a mocktail if that suits you. Um, and, and if you need to, sometimes it's just having the, the drink in your hand, the hand to mouth kind of action that, that helps us with mm -hmm. that trigger. But you're right yeah. that it can be just like a really, really great way to put your focus and, and spend your afternoon or your evening, which can be one of the hardest times for people too. A hundred percent. Where can we get your book, Dr. Brooke? <laughs> Dr. Brooke's book. Yes. <laughs> Um, so you can purchase it wherever books are sold, where, wherever you prefer, Amazon, any other book retailers, there's also an Audible and a Kindle versions and all of that good stuff. And I did the audio for the Audible. So you'll, you could continue hearing this lovely voice if you'd like to get the Audible version. Um, how did you but, find the audio book process? Was that, did you enjoy the process of recording the audio book? So fun fact about me is I went to audio recording school when I was in high school. Yes. Yeah. So I know we haven't talked about this, but yes. So I actually got to skip the audition to do my audiobook because I had experience. Awesome. So that's a side note. But what I will say about doing the audiobook is it was really tiring, Phys physically more tiring than I would have imagined. Um, we did it over the course of three and a little bit onto a fourth day. And I think the yeah, audio cool. narration is somewhere around seven hours. So. Yeah, and yeah. that's, you know, that's cut. So it was, um, it was a, a long and physically draining process more than I would have anticipated, but really, really rewarding. Mm -hmm. And 
I could tell you that reading the book out loud, I probably, when I write another book, I'll probably read it out loud before I, I finish it. Because then when I was reading it out loud, I was like, I don't like how that sounds out loud. <laughs> Too late to change it now. <laughs> Too late. They're like, yeah, sorry. Sorry about it. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, so everywhere books are sold, but also my website, brookscheller.com or functionalsobriety.com, where you can also learn more about my online programs, my online community, which is all based on a nutrition and wellness-focused approach to an alcohol-free lifestyle. And so that's my my whole thing is how do we use this um, nutrition and wellness as a tool to lead us through this journey? Because it is a key, key piece of it. Oh, hey, you're still here. Well, let me tell you about Booze Break. Booze Break is an audio series that I created and host with my good friend, Lindy Cohen. You can find out more information by visiting myboozebreak.com. If you want to take a bit of time away from alcohol, we can be your Booze Break besties. Here's a little sample of what you can expect. And the first episode is free. If you want to listen to it, you can just head to myboozebreak.com. There was a disconnect between what I was feeling and the life that I had. This is just about that better relationship with alcohol. Felt like I looked through a new lens. We are your guides helping you get this transformation because you really deserve that. We've got a go-to guide on how to do it and we're going to deliver it all to you guys through this audio series. An experiment for yourself. I'm and welcome to your booze break. My name is Maz Compton. I'm a radio host and a podcaster and I haven't had a drink since 2015. That's a long time, Maz. It's a really long time, Lindy. <laughs> I'm Lindy Cohen. I'm a dietitian, I'm a nutritionist and it hasn't been that long for me without booze. It's just been a few months, really, six months post having a baby and I am loving it. And I, you know, I want that little high for you guys as well. And that's what we're here to do. We're here to help you have a healthier relationship with alcohol for whatever that looks like for wherever you're at. So whether you have a couple of glasses a week or a couple of bottles a night, we're not here to judge you. We're just here to help you get to a place in your life where alcohol isn't controlling you. And we don't need you to say, I'm never drinking again, whether it's forever or for just right now. This is just about that better relationship with alcohol. So you feel more in control and it doesn't feel like alcohol is controlling you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 